Hey everyone, it's Sensei Victoria Woodfield here, your journey partner in business, welcoming you back to episode 85 of the Journeypreneur podcast. This is your source for channeled holistic stress management techniques, guidance, inspiration, and motivation to stay on your path to rapid financial ascension and massive impact as a conscious entrepreneur. And all right, I have another interview for you, my friend Toby Rothner. He and I both are in the Two Comma Club X coaching program with Russell Brunson. And Toby has this awesome movement called Basic Dads Unite. You can find him at basicdadsunite.com. And we're going to be getting into it and sharing with you all of the nuggets of wisdom that he's picked up from over 15 years in business on his journey as an entrepreneur. So Toby, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Victoria. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> yeah. So this may be the very first time that someone is meeting you or getting to hear about your work. So how I like to do things around here is when you tell us what you do, give us um, what are the three things that you are known for in your business. Could you tell us? Yeah, I think um, if I were to pick three things, um, I, I think the, probably the first thing that would come to mind, people uh, identify me as a, as a marketer, first and foremost. Uh, I, I would probably be described as very good at marketing. Um, probably the second thing is uh, creativity. I owned a creative agency for many, many years, and we um, – I, I was very adamant that uh, advertising and marketing didn't have to be ugly, that it could be effective and beautiful. Mm -hmm. So I think uh, I kind of planted a flag in the ground around that. And then uh, probably the third thing is uh, pragmatic would be the word I would use. I, I actually have a podcast called The Pragmatic Idealist. Yay! And yeah, I, I, I'm an idealist at heart, but uh, I also understand that you've got to get down in the trenches sometimes and get your hands dirty and do the practical stuff that moves your business forward. So that's that's probably what I would say. I love that. Oh, I love that. It's so balanced. And thank you for saying that marketing can be like beautiful. It doesn't have to be hard or ugly or crunchy like i'm curious could you tell me a little bit more about that that sounds awesome <laughs> yeah well you know i mean i came up uh i graduated from boise state university back in 2003 uh late 2002 december 2002 so i basically started my career in december 2003 and i i started in direct response copywriting and the old school direct response guys they sort of scoffed at any notion of design at all. Hmm. <clears throat> Their whole thing was if it sells, it sells, it doesn't matter what it looks like. And to an extent that's true. Um, and it was particularly back then, but um, you know, this was back in the day when you would get a 32 page sales letter in the mail Whoa. and it was just white paper with black text on it oh, man. <laughs> and blocks of, of text and they'd break it up with headlines and subheads and bullets and stuff, but it was ugly, but it worked. And, and um, so the argument between the design community and the direct response copywriting community was always, we we're separate. You do your thing. We're going to do ours. And they sort of looked at this at each other with disdain um, the first instance of co cooperation between these departments was really back in the 60s at BBDNO, a big ad agency in New York, where um, one of the partners at BBDNO actually put the 
copywriters and the art director in the same room and said, here, hash this out. <laughs> it had never been done before. Wow. Um, what normally happened was the art director would create something and then he would send it upstairs to the copywriting department and they would write the copy for it and they would never talk to one another. And uh, Bob Doyle at, at, at BBDNO said, this is nuts. Um, you know, why are we doing it this way? And so he started that kind of crack in the dam, if you will. And uh, I, in my own tiny little way, I tried to carry that forward and, and mix copy design and advertising. And, you know, in 2019 in particular, there's just no excuse for ugly design anymore. <laughs> oh, thank you for doing that. And I love the story too, because like, when we're working in isolation, departments are working in isolation. It's like, oh, but when it comes together, there's this natural creative collaboration that that can happen. Like you just put them together and you guys figure it out. That spark of inspiration totally changed the industry. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. I love it. So, okay. So went to school for that, got into copywriting. Tell me, was there like, what was the moment that you decided to start, um, your business like what was the like did you have an epiphany do you remember where you were what was going on like why did you decide to start working for yourself well it wasn't nearly as romantic as that um i, <laughs> I mean i have a, a dna my dna is streaked with entrepreneurial strands mm. uh, you know my grandfather owned small i grew up in louisiana Mm -hmm. uh, I live in Idaho now, but, and I've been here over 20 years. So I consider myself an Idahoan, which would probably make my family cringe. But um, <laughs> my grandfather owned a small finance company in, in rural Louisiana, actually in Monroe, where the Doug Dynasty guys are, if you're familiar mm -hmm. with that at all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, we grew up in that. I, I was born in that area. I grew up in Shreveport, which is about an hour and a half west. Um, my dad opened up his own finance company. My uncle had a finance company. So everyone around me was an entrepreneur. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what an entrepreneur was. I just knew that that was the only thing I knew. I didn't mm. realize like most kids grow up thinking, Oh, I'm going to go get a job somewhere. I grew up thinking, Oh, I need to go start my own business. All right. Okay. Because yeah. that's all I knew. Um, that's all I saw. And so I remember sitting on the back of my buddy's pickup truck and the day after we graduated high school and he was, he said, uh, we were talking about what we were going to do. And he said, are you going to go work with your dad? And I said, I'll probably do that. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. And he said, well, if you go and work for him, are you going to call it Brockner and son? And I said, no, we're going to call it Brockner and father. No, I, I never dreamed that I would be working for anyone. <laughs> even uh -huh. my own dad. Mm -hmm. It was, uh, I was always going to own it, um, and do whatever it was. And so, in 2003, right after I'd graduated from Boise State when I was too dumb and too broke to, to know what I was doing, I started a marketing company. Um, I had gone into finance. I was selling insurance and annuities, that kind of a thing. 
and uh, started up a small little call center to, to do cold calls to set appointments for me. That's the only thing I knew how to get new business. Mm -hmm. And we started generating leads. This is when people would actually, you know, they had a landline and they would pick up the phone and talk to you. Yeah. And uh, we would set leads and I couldn't go to all of them. We were generating so many leads, I couldn't get to all of them. So I started selling the leads to other insurance agents. And I started making more money doing that than going on appointments. So I was like, I'm not doing the insurance thing anymore. I'm just going to do marketing. And that's how I got into marketing originally in 2003. Um, and I've been doing marketing in some variation ever since. I love it. Oh, I love how organic that was. Just like doing what you know best, looking for, all right, like here's the opportunity of, you know, I could generate leads all day, but I can't like that. Um, every time we create a solution, there's this new problem that comes up, but you found the like profitable problem that you generated and then ta -da, started making money yeah. off of That's awesome. My strong suit for many years was not planning. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, didn't, I didn't put a lot of thought into what I was doing. I just did it, whatever <laughs> I needed to do to survive and to grow. Um, you know, it, it, <laughs> I, I had my college degree. I went to college and got a degree at Boise State. My degree is in international business. And the only reason I picked international business is because I can speak Spanish fluently and can test out of the language portion. That was the sole <laughs> thought I gave to what I, my college degree was going to be. Wow. My God. I love it. <laughs> That's changed oh a little bit over the years, but, uh, Oh, I, I flew by the seat of my pants for a long time there. <laughs> well, you know what? You get a lot more done if you just start doing stuff. <laughs> it's a fast track right. to learning. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, this is so good. So, okay. Like you're action Jackson. You're like, all right. So I'm going to go and try this stuff out and do what I can see what works. Um, you ever had some experiences and this I know is like this is a loaded question super loaded I know but have you ever had some experiences where okay you've been trying to make money as an entrepreneur and things are going on but you keep kind of like hitting a wall and it's to the point where you're like ah oh, you know what maybe I should just throw in the towel maybe I should oh, I, I think of how some of my friends are like why don't you just get a real job have you ever had one of those moments where you like you could have thrown in the towel and if so like what what did you do what did you tell to yourself like what was going on yeah there have been uh, you know obviously any entrepreneur is going to have multiple uh, instances where they want to throw in the towel and I think that's one of the things that kind of sets an entrepreneur apart from the rest of the population is that they we just don't give up ever uh, even if we have to pivot, even if somebody looks at what we're doing and saying, oh, they did give up on that business, we still usually will pivot to another business. It is very, I don't know very many entrepreneurs, friends of mine who have, or people that I don't know who are entrepreneurs that have failed in a business and gone and gotten a job. I know that happens. I, I can't think of any instances of that right off the top of my head, just because anybody that I know that's ever quote unquote failed in a business has always just turned around and started something new. And mm -hmm. I've done the same thing in different ways. Um, back in 2013 into 2013, I had run the original marketing company that I started in 2003. We'd been running it for about 10 years at one point, we were doing about $10 million a year in revenue. We had about 150 employees. It was utter chaos. 
we didn't have a very good bookkeeping system in place. We got messed up on payroll and taxes and income taxes and revenue. And it was just a giant mess. And into 2013, I got a, a visit from the IRS mm -hmm. and I came to my office and he said, uh, we're opening up an audit on you and your company, all your business dealings. <clears throat> and we are going to, uh, my best estimates at this point show that you owe a million dollars in back taxes. Wow. Oh boy. And I mean, you want to talk about a punch in the gut. I was Ooh. like, I knew I was behind, but I had no idea that it was that bad. Um, and it, and it turned out to not be quite that bad. My, my attorney, I hired an attorney in an accounting firm and we, we ended up getting it cleaned up, took three years to get it all squared away and, and settled with the IRS. But I ended up having to, I, I it, we settled for, you know, 300 and something thousand dollars. I don't remember oh, what the exact number was, but fantastic. It basically wiped me out. Yeah. I had to sell my house. I had to sell my assets. I had to liquidate my uh, savings, mm. everything. So it basically set me to zero. Um, I, you know, obviously this caused a huge strain on me and my partners in the company. So I, we parted ways. I walked away and said, I'm not doing this anymore. Like the way you, you are, you know, flying by the seat of your pants is one thing, but not paying taxes is another. And so I said, mm -hmm. I'm not doing this, walked away. And I started a new creative agency, uh, ad agency from there. Uh, but I was very, very close at that point to giving up. And just saying, I, I'm not, I can't do it. This is too big for me to handle. Um, I thought for a while there, several months, I was on the verge of a nervous breakdown. Uh, I was, my, my hair turned gray, literally. Like you always look at presidents when they go into office, they have like this nice full head of hair and then they come out and they're like completely gray. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> the stress. That's what happened to me. I mean, my hair went almost completely gray. Um, I, my weight ballooned up just cause I was eating like crazy, just trying to, you know, I don't know what I was trying to eat my feelings, I guess, whatever. No, oh, yeah, totally. But, uh, it, it was a, it was a, it was a horrific time period in my life for about that three years. And I remember I, my, my, my little girl, Scarlett, she's 13 now. She was about seven or eight at the time. And we were, I, I would read to her every night and go to lay with her until she fell asleep. And, um, I remember she looked up at me after we had read and I was laying there and I was just worried to death, just running through these scenarios in my mind. And she was laying there in my arms and, and she kind of looked up at me and I looked down at her and she said, dad, don't ever leave me. Mm. And it just broke my heart. I mean, because the IRS was threatening me with jail, with criminal penalties. They were saying, you know, you're, you're intentionally doing it. And, it. and I was like, I'm not intentionally doing any of this. Like I wasn't trying to hide revenue or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And I knew in my heart of hearts, I wasn't doing anything wrong, but they had this thing on me. And when she said that, I just completely broke down. And I was like, I, I have got to fix this. And so I did, I dug in and I said, you know, IRS be damned. I'm going to fix this. I'm going to make it right. I've paid it off. I've, I've got everything going now and I'm going to, and I'm going to build this back up from nothing. And, and, uh, like a Phoenix rising from the ashes. That's what I did. <laughs> Yay! Oh my goodness. Like, oh, this is so, oh my gosh. I wouldn't oh. wish that on my worst enemy though. Oh. 
Oh my gosh. It was totally, but holy cow, how you were able to like turn that around is so, and oh man, with your daughter saying, don't ever leave me that just hitting you right in the heart. But also this is like, in my mind, it's, it's like her pushing the, the go button of like, all right, it's go time. Like (laughs) dad's going to go and going to go like hard, whatever it takes. Oh, that is so powerful. And I just have to honor you, Toby. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for opening up and sharing that. Um, Because that's like, holy cow, what a tough uh, time in your life. And I know for uh, our listeners, who are following along right now, like to, to get to hear that story and know that even if the IRS comes knocking and they're saying, all right, you, we're estimating you owe a million, like to, to take a deep breath in, exhale and know that, oh snap, I am not the first person on the face of the earth that this has ever happened to. Like, this is not going to kill me. And in fact, hearing your story, Toby, like, um, there are steps, like success leaves breadcrumbs, like success leads clues. So getting to hear your story of like, okay, I got an attorney and it, this took three freaking years, but it didn't, didn't take 30. Right. It took three years of day and it wasn't a million. It was 300,000. And you know what? This also might like your health can get affected. You could be eating your feelings. Like your body could go through changes when you're under like a tremendous amount of stress. And it also, it can affect your family. But you know what? When you know what comes first, if family comes first, let your heart hit your go button so that it's go time so you can go all in and you can turn it around. What's so powerful also about your story, Toby, is that your identity is so solid of like, I'm an entrepreneur. This is who I am. Like there's, there's no giving up. Like this is who I am. If there's, if we're going to the bottom in this business, okay, I'm just going to turn around and create something else. Like that is massive. Like to all everyone listening in, like I want you to just do like a copy paste of that mindset. Just like copy paste that mindset. Well, my wife and I, I mean, we, we obviously had discussions about that of, you know, maybe you should just go get a job. I mean, I'm, I'm functionally unemployable. There's no (laughs) way I can work for anyone else. I mean, I had a job one time in the summer of when I, between my junior and senior year at McDonald's and I got fired after a month because I'm like, why are we doing this? Like a bunch of idiots. Like this is the dumbest way to do this. You know, I'm a 16 year old kid telling a billion dollar corporation that they're doing it wrong. Um, <laughs> I would get fired in a heartbeat working for anyone else. And, you know, we talk about my, you talk about risk and like, well, you know, being an entrepreneur is so much riskier than being an employee. And I'm like, Maybe, but if I'm an employee, I only really have to, you know, make one person upset with me to get fired. And that's my boss. If I'm an entrepreneur and I upset a client or two, my business can survive. (laughs) They can fire me, but, and I won't like it, but I'm not going to go anywhere off of that. (laughs) Um, 
and and you know you're right about the identity part that was just how i identified myself is i am an entrepreneur and, and if i were, were to be an employee that would be one of the probably the most painful things i could ever imagine mm. and that was you know having my family there my wife's support she was so incredible during this entire time period i mean she was really mad at me um and <laughs> i have a, a real gift for irritating her but um she just stuck by me and 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 my kids you know they they knew things were were rough they weren't really old enough to kind of know exactly what was going on but they knew things were bad but having that sort of deep sense of why you're doing what you're doing um, can help you overcome almost anything. Mm. I don't want to give do it again, but uh, mm-hmm. if I did, you know, I could get back out of it. And I, and I think that's probably the biggest thing. That's, you know, back to your question, do you have any advice? That's the advice is just understanding that it, this too shall pass. You know, ne- nothing is permanent. Even your success, even, even the wins are not permanent. And you have to, you have to be ready to pivot and to make changes and to go with the tide and uh, do what you have to do to, to craft a life worth living. A hundred percent because that's worth it. A life worth living is totally worth it. Um, that's what we're here for. We're not just here to like, do stuff or clock in and clock out or like um, to, to just go about this willy nilly. Like this is to really like, if I'm going to live my life, I want to ride it till the, like the brakes fall off, man. Let's do this. Right. Yeah. Be able to live yep. full out. And I'm also curious here. What would you have to say to the men that are listening in right now? who are really trying their best to support their family, right? To, to, but also to stand by that identity of like, I'm an entrepreneur and I got to support my family. Like what, like as a man, like I, I'm, I'm a woman, I'm a female, right? I'm cis female here. And like how, how I feel and how I would process um, uh, that kind of an experience and how I would speak to women about it, um, how to hold down the feminine side would be entirely different um, because of, you know, who I am genetically, right, and emotionally. But as, as a man, Toby, um, what would you say to other men, like, really staying, staying rooted um, and staying focused to being able to, to provide? Like, what would you say to the men listening? Yeah, and this was a this was a thing that I struggled with, and and one of the reasons I created Basic Dads Unite, um, the program, because I I let myself go in so many different areas of my life, and and my health, for example, and my relationships suffered, and I had no hobbies really. I, I was just so focused on my business and so focused on doing it by myself. Uh, my ego just got in the way of, uh, and I don't know if it was ego as much as it was there's still a stigma with, with men, unfortunately, that they have to be everything and they can't ask for help and they can't be vulnerable and they can't open up. And it's, it's all just BS. And I, I wish I had known then what I know now, like two CCX being in this coaching program has been one of the most beneficial things I've ever done in my life. Mm-hmm. But the reason it has been is because I, that my attitude in coming to it, I, I shelved my ego. I, I came in at the beginning of two CCX and I told myself, you know nothing. 
you is, uh, we're going to assume, and I'm, I'm having this internal dialogue with myself, mm-hmm. you, Toby, you know nothing about business, about marketing, about anything. You are here to absorb and to learn and to make connections and to, and to try to, to understand other people's perspectives. And it has been eye-opening mm. by doing that. Before, I would have been closed off and said, this is how I'm doing it. This is how I do it. You don't know what you're talking about, but I, I've, I've just come into it with an open mind and having that peer support has been incredible. Um, and, and again, that's one of the reasons I created the basic dad unite program was to offer men that peer support where they could come in and they could open up and they could talk about, this is what's going on in my life and my business. Here's what's going on with my, with my health or, or, or whatever it may be. So they have a safe place to go and talk about these things. Cause we really don't. Um, I, there's a little bit of a movement that's kind of picking up now that's telling us men that it's okay. And mm-hmm. I, I couldn't be more thrilled with that. And this has nothing to do with masculinity or tough or being, you know, whatever it, it, it has everything to do with just being a human being mm-hmm. because we're all human beings at the end of the day. And we all need that support and that kindness and that love from, from our fellow human beings. A hundred percent. Like this is so perfect. It's not about like the whole macho, you know, like alpha top dog, all that types of stuff trying to prove it. This is really sinking into that, um, that essence of like, we're being real here as human beings, like rather than trying to put on and I, cannot underline enough like if you were a book and I was reading you right now (laughs) I would really 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 underline when you just said the word safe like to have a safe place um, to express knowing that like you're not going to get attacked criticized um, shamed or um, pushed in, in a certain, like, say, agenda-based direction and all of that, like, the create, like, thank you, Toby, for creating a safe space for men to, to support each other as peers. Like, this, I sincerely believe, um, uh, and I've spoken in previous podcast episodes about one of my favorite books of all time, especially for men, is Iron John by Robert Bly, and talk, he, like, analyzed how in more the, the more quote unquote civilized our society has become and the rise of capitalism, the more decentralized um, our society has become. So that ability to connect and support one another in groups or, you know, before civilized society, it was called tribes that to, to be able to have that brotherhood or that sisterhood or that community um, has been taken apart more and more over time. So I just want to honor you for creating a safe space for men to come together. Thank you. Yeah. And I I wanted to be very careful about how I did that too, because I didn't want it to be like, I don't, I I want people to maintain their individuality Mm -hmm. and their sense of self and, and that you're the way you do things may not be the way I do things. And that's okay. Like we're, we're okay. We're part of this group, but we don't identify as the group necessarily. Uh, we're individuals that make up a group and we all have and should celebrate our differences within that group. And where I'm at in my journey is completely irrelevant to where you're at in your journey or where someone else is at in their journey, because no two people walk the same path, you know, as, as, uh, 
compatible as they may seem, they don't walk. There are just too many variables involved for us to say, well, this is the path I need to walk because that path was unique to that person based on that point of time in their place, their skill set, their energy levels, what, what, everything that was going on, et cetera. Um, and so I, I wanted to be very careful about this is your path. Like I'm big on, um, you know, the, the golden rule says you should treat others the way you want to be treated. Yes. Um, in my, in my mind, and this may be a little sacrilegious <laughs> in my mind, that seems inherently selfish, narcissistic. Like yes. I don't, maybe I don't want to be treated the same way you would like to be treated. But oh, that's so good. We should live by the, the platinum rule, which is treat others the way they want you to treat them because everyone is different. And what I like, you may not like, and what you like, I may not like. And so I shouldn't force my, you know, beliefs or, or whatever on you. I, I should be sensitive to those things. Anyway, that, that's kind of without getting too, you know, mushy, mushy over it or whatever. And that's, that's not what basic dads is. Um, it's not a place where we go and sing Kumbaya and sit around, <laughs> but it is a place where men can go and find tools and resources to be better men. Mm. And that, that's really, that's really what I was trying to design it for. Yeah. And that, like, I thank you for that because that fosters, um, better children, better women, better communities, better business. Absolutely. Ripple effect. A hundred percent. Yeah. I love it. And dude, the platinum rule. What? That was so juicy. I don't remember where I got that. I didn't make that up. I, I, I stole that from someone, but I cannot for the life of me remember where I heard that for the first time, but I just, I love it. I think it's much more accurate uh, worldview for me personally. Yeah. So I, I kind of hold it up as a, here's what I believe kind of a thing. Totally. That's going on my quote wall. Yes. <laughs> oh man, Toby, this has been amazing. Okay. So here's the thing. I love what you're creating here. And I know that um, my listeners who are, you know, fly on the wall, listen in the background, we are sending you so much love and juice, all our journey printers out there following along with Toby. Where do we get to go and celebrate you? Because I sincerely believe that good people deserve to be celebrated because when good people are celebrated, they have the energy to do more good in the world. So where are we celebrating you? What's the website? What's the Insta? What's the offer? Tell us. Where are we going? Yeah, you can, you can find um, the Basic Dads Unite at basicdadsunite.com. I do have a Facebook group as well. If you just search Basic Dads Unite for the, any of the guys listening, um, I'd love to have you in the group. Um, all of my social handles are just at Toby Brockner. It's um, T-O-B-E Brockner, B-R-O-C-K-N-E-R. So at Toby Brockner on Instagram. And I'm not real active on Twitter. I, I don't really care about Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> But Instagram and Facebook, I'm very active, very happy to accept friend requests uh, from, from like-minded people. And um, yeah, on, on Basic Dads Unite, and, and, and this could be for women as well, there's a uh, get started button right on the homepage there. There is a, so what I've done is I've created a, a program, a training program to help you in having what I call intentional imbalance in your life. There's no way to to give everything in our lives equal time and attention. There's just not enough of it to go around. So we have to be intentional about the imbalance that we've created in our lives. And so there are six basic categories on the, on the website, health, wealth, relationships, career, 
self-improvement, and lifestyle. And you, you essentially pick two or three of those things that you want to work on the most. And you say, okay, I need to get my health in better, you know, but I need to get in better shape there. I need to maybe focus on building some wealth, build up an emergency fund. And then I use a, a program called the 12 week year methodology. It's how to get more done in 12 weeks and most do in 12 months. And when you apply that program to these different areas of your life, magical things happen. You, you become a totally different person in a very short period of time. And it's a pretty slick way to achieve goals uh, faster and, and at, a, at a more efficient rate. So I would invite you to go. There's a free video series there. If you, if you just put in your email address, you can get access to kind of a, a three-part video series that gives an overview of how that program works and how to implement it in your life. Hot. I love it. Oh, my goodness. So good. So, guys, go check Toby out. Celebrate the heck out of him. And also check out those freebies. Like, to be able to have that blueprint to get more done in 12 weeks and then most would get done in 12 months. Come on. So good. Toby, thank you so much for sharing that offer for all of the powerful work you do in the world, brother. My pleasure. <laughs> and turning it over now to our journeypreneurs listening in. Hey, thank you so much for tuning into the journeypreneur podcast. And if this is your first podcast episode, welcome. Go ahead, give us a five-star review on iTunes, hit that subscribe button. But when you go in and give us that five-star review, there's the comments box. Drop in there, hey, I listened to episode 85, and here's my favorite takeaway from Toby Brockner. Give him a shout out there. What that would do is not only celebrate Toby and also anchor the learning that you just received from today's podcast episode, but for all of your sisters and brothers out there who are on their path, continuing to serve as entrepreneurs, it will give them the strength and the inspiration to subscribe and keep on their journey um, to serving people and getting rapid financial ascension and massive impact for the highest good of all life. So that's it for today's podcast episode. And as always, I love to end with, please enjoy the journey that you are on. Do not lose your glow as you grow in life and business. And we'll see you in the next podcast episode. Bye for now. See ya.